Well, good morning. It's great to be with you guys this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Wendy. I'm actually the student ministry pastor here at Crosswind. So maybe twice a year, they let me out of the box and uh, come and share a message with you on Sunday morning. So I'm excited with where we're going to go this morning. Uh, first, though, I cannot believe that it is September. Is anyone else in shock? So it's back to school season. My youngest, John, who I think is on camera, he starts his senior year of high school next week. My middle child, Sheldon, who's up producing our worship service this morning, he started college last week for the first time. We're in a season of transition. Many of us are transitioning from one thing to the next. I'm transitioning out of summer ministry mode, right? Summer ministry looked a little bit different, and so now we're getting ready for a new school year, new students, new sermon series. And I'm going to get vulnerable with you for here for a minute. The last year and a half in my household has been pretty horrible, and we're transitioning out of that. My husband had, has had several surgeries throughout his life, but I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, he had neck surgery, a second neck surgery, I think. Um, and we were, you know, he was recuperating from that. He was going to get the brace off and staples out and all the things, and we find ourselves unexpectedly um, him being diagnosed with advanced melanoma. Um, he would undergo not one more, but two more surgeries as a result of that, and more than a year of really awful treatments. Now, we praise God today that outlook is good. His health is good. Things are good, right? But it can be really challenging through those seasons to praise God. It can be really hard to find God in our suffering. And my guess is that maybe some of you can relate to that, right? We get into these awful seasons of life, and it's hard to see God in the details, let alone praise him. You may be in the midst of a really awful season right now. You may be suffering. You may be in pain. And if that's you, my heart aches for you, and I'm so sorry. And I hope that this morning you can find just a little bit of hope. So my best friend, Sue, who's here this morning, so Lord, help me get through this message, um, she is moving through a chapter in her life, a transition, if you will. She's preparing for eternity. I mean, we all are, right? We're all preparing for eternity. That's where we're headed. But she's doing it much sooner than I would like, than probably she would like, her friends and family would like. You see, she has a terminal diagnosis, and it's not my journey. It's not my transition. In fact, it's not even my story to tell, really. But walking through her Walking through this journey with her has changed me. It's given me a new journey of my own. Sue has given me one of the greatest gifts I will ever receive in my entire life. This season in her life has changed my perspective on everything. And it's drawn me, most importantly, into a deeper understanding of God. Honestly, I'm a different person because of Sue. And I'm still processing all the things that I'm learning through this journey, and we're not done yet, right? The journey's not over. And maybe someday I'll have another message to share out of it, but you're going to get to hear from Sue on video as we close out our time together this morning. But let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever, and you don't have to answer, right, but have you ever really thought about heaven? Have you ever really given it a thought, like, what will heaven be like? What does God promise heaven is going to be? That's a whole sermon for another day, but I can tell you until recently, until this chapter of my life, I thought of heaven as this place that I definitely wanted to go, 
right? And I always knew that it would be beyond my comprehension amazing. When I was a kid, I imagined angels playing harps, floating on the clouds. You guys can probably relate to that visual, right? But as I've matured and I've gained an understanding of heaven, it's become so much more than that to me. And until recently, if I'm honest, I really didn't focus much on the things of heaven until this season with Sue. Scripture is filled with evidence of what heaven will be, a new earth where God will be revealed to us. He will dwell among us. I cannot even imagine it. And if you've never explored the things of heaven, I encourage you, go on a journey throughout Scripture. Look at what God's Word says about what heaven will be. But listen to Revelation 21, 23, and it's just a quick glimpse of the glory of heaven. It says this, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. God's glory is described as radiant, the most rare jewel. Have you ever seen a break in the clouds and the sun rays are shining through and it's just this most beautiful moment, just this glimpse of what heaven might be like? God's glory will give the most radiant light to heaven. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. I've been reading up on it a lot lately because I want to know more about it. I want to know where Sue is going. I want to know where I'm going and a lot of my friends are going. Hopefully all of you are going. And I'm realizing that it's changing me. It's changing the way I embrace the suffering in my own life. It's changing the way I embrace the suffering in the lives of those around me. It's drawing me deeper and deeper into God's promises. And I want you to know that when we are focused on the things of heaven, it can radically change what we do today. Now, it's easy for me to stand here and just say those words, right? Putting it into practice, that's an entirely different thing. Because life is hard. Life is hard. Now, if you were here last week, we finished our series, Christ in the Psalms. And more specifically, last week, we looked at Songs of Ascent. And Pastor Craig asked the question, where do we go when the storms of life hit us? Where do we go? I think oftentimes for myself, I don't always go to God in the midst of the storms. But that's always where our immediate response should take us, to God. Because God is in the storms. We are never truly alone. But in our humanness, we want to control every situation, every outcome. God healed this person. God delivered that person. God, take me out of this storm. Now, we obviously should be praying for healing, should be asking for deliverance. But we should also be asking God to meet us in those moments. God, come into my storm. Help me feel your presence Thank you for being with me in the storm. Reveal your glory to me. Use me. If I could sum it up in one statement, I would say that it's easy to lose sight of heaven when things get hard, but that's the very place we can find our hope. I am learning that I need to seek God in the storm and not be focused on just escaping the storm. Heaven is the only place where our hope is because that's where God is. Hope isn't in your marriage, it's not in your job, your title, your income, your house, your health. But when we're suffering, or someone we love is suffering, we just went out of the storm. So as I was preparing for today, I was thinking about Lazarus. Now, 
you may or may not know Lazarus. He was one that Jesus rose from the dead. And as I looked at Lazarus again and his story in scripture, I was struck by a conversation that Jesus had with Mary and Martha, his sisters, just prior to his death. And so let's look at this together, John 11, one through four. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they had spent time traveling with Jesus. They had seen him perform many miracles. And so as Lazarus became ill, it was an automatic response, I think, for her to reach out to Jesus and say, hey, Lazarus is sick, heal him, because you can, right? I would imagine, though, that Jesus' response to her probably caught her off guard. He said, illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I talk about Sue a lot to anyone who will listen. Why? Well, she likes to be talked about. She likes to be the center of attention, first of all. But because her story gives glory to God, her life and her death will glorify God. There's no question about it. I had a friend ask me last week, how do I reconcile what's happening with Sue and my understanding of God? And I had to pause and think about it, but really the answer is simple. Because it's glorifying God, God is using her He is using her in mighty ways to restore people to relationship with him. With whatever the time she has left, she is going to keep on fighting and she is going to keep on introducing people to Jesus and she is going to keep on pushing. There will be pain and suffering in this life. That's a certainty. But Jesus understands our suffering because he suffered for us so that we could have admission into heaven. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. The old me, they would look at, my, the old me would look at the situation with Sue and I would be angry at God for taking her away from me, right? Not even focusing on her suffering, not even focusing on what God was doing or more specifically, what he had put himself through for me. I lose sight of his suffering at times. He suffered for me, he suffered for you, but the old me would have totally missed God in the circumstances. But how did Jesus suffer? Well, let's recap his life. He was betrayed by a friend, then he was put on trial, an awful, ridiculous trial. He was being accused of something he was. He was was the son of God but yet he was declared guilty of a crime. He was sentenced to death. He was beaten. He was forced to wear a throne of crowns, a crown of thrones, excuse me. He was forced to drag his own cross through the streets to his death, ridiculed and taunted. And then he died a horrible death. It's not a pretty picture. Jesus knows suffering. He grieves when we grieve. When we hurt, he hurts. When we suffer, he suffers. When Mary and Martha came to Jesus and asked for his help, he didn't heal him and Lazarus died. 
What happened then was he saw Mary weeping and he himself was deeply moved to tears, Jesus. This is what it says in John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So he comforts us. He grieves with us. But he can also use our suffering for good to bless us and to bless others. God wants to use our suffering for good. The Apostle Paul, in a letter to the Romans, shared this encouragement. Now, as as we lead into this verse, he's talking about boasting in the hope we have in the glory of God. So he continues and he says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering leads to hope because God's love is poured into our hearts. What a beautiful way to look at it. I sure know that I have had seasons of suffering in my life, some self-inflicted choices I've made, and some just through really bad circumstance. If I had known then what I know now, my burdens and my suffering might have looked a little bit different. Christ suffered human suffering. He suffered so that we could remember in the midst of our own that he understands and he is the God of all comfort. Paul knew the church would struggle. We're human. We struggle today. So his letters can still be a reminder to us today to to encourage us, to spur us on. Another letter that I've spent time in recently for comfort myself is 2 Corinthians. And in this passage, Paul is, re- is reminding, this time, the people in the church of Corinth to remain unshaken in the midst of affliction. Listen to what it says. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. When I think about it now, it's not surprising that Paul had to keep writing these letters or felt compelled to keep writing these letters because he knew they would struggle then, and I know we still struggle now. We need to be reminded to look for God in the midst of suffering, plain and simple, because he's there. Let him be your comfort. Let him meet you in those moments. Now, for you, maybe it's not a diagnosis. Maybe it is, or maybe it's something bad that happened to you because of a choice that you made or multiple choices that you've made that you feel like maybe you can't come back from. I am living proof to tell you that you can. God brought me out of bad choice after bad choice after addiction after divorce after bad choice, and he's using me. He can and will use you. He is there. He is there. The 12 disciples, so not perfect. So not perfect. Paul spent most of his life until he met Jesus persecuting Christians. Peter denied Jesus three times. And yet God used them in big, big ways. He can and will use you as well. I don't know what your suffering looks like. I don't know what's causing you great pain. But I do know that God is there. I've seen it. 
So our big idea this week, the big idea I want you to leave here remembering is that when we stay heaven-focused all the time, not just in the good times, but in the suffering as well, God will meet us there, and he will use our story to bless others. So I've shared a little bit of Sue's story, um, but now I want you to hear from her. So we're going to take a look at this video, and then I'm going to come back, and we'll wrap things up together this morning. So take a look. I went into the hospital when I, in 2018, the very end of 2018, with severe abdominal pain. And um, it turned out to be a, quite a large tumor inside of me. Um, and I was in the hospital, I don't know, about a week. And they took out the tumor, obviously. Um, and I never worried about my, how I would be in the hospital, how I would be after the surgery. It didn't even dawn on me to pray for myself or say, God, what are you doing? Because I just knew God would take care of me. I went on in the next two weeks to have several surgeries. I had four surgeries altogether, which put me into this uh, out of it state and also grew my depression quite a bit. It was, it was awful. The point being that God turns so many things into good if we just look for them. Whenever something bad happens and when the burden comes, when, when, when you suffer, right away, look for the blessing. The blessing's coming right afterwards. This is the groundwork God's doing. He's allowing something that's not good in your life, and then he's going to bless you to encourage you to go along. So at the end of 2020, I got rid of, they took out 10 more tumors. I was very weak, beyond belief, couldn't take care of myself. And just as I'm starting to get better, I'm, I'm, I'm walking. I'm not afraid to be outside by myself, though I didn't do a whole lot. Um, then comes a new diagnosis that the tumors are back again. And they've already taken away a lot of that inside tissue. They've already taken away um, organs to get rid of my tumors, to cut out my tumors. And if they continue, I'm, I might not be able to live, or I might not have any quality of life. So we had to make a decision on what we're gonna do with this cancer growing inside of me. Um, and right away I knew I didn't wanna go back into surgery. I don't even feel like I have the right to say I have cancer. Cause my, my cancer doesn't work, it doesn't reduce it by having chemo. It doesn't reduce it by having radiation. It, I don't feel like I have the right to say I have cancer because there's people out there suffering so much more than me. 
My diseases and my cancer is unique. Rarely do people have my cancer as an adult. Rarely does it continue on after the first surgery. But so much good has come out of it. I am not good at telling people about how to accept Christ. But I am good at telling my own story. And that's what God has put in everybody's way. God has given each of us a story, a story how he has got us through some terrible times, a story how we've turned to him. And he's also put an audience out there that wants to hear our story. Through it all, God has given me custom blessings. First came that bur burden and then came the blessing. And I've been able to teach people or maybe share my story with people. And they ask me about my story. That, that blows me away that anybody wants to hear about my story. And I've gotten to the point that when something bad happens, I look for the blessing immediately. I start looking around and the, it's just not one blessing. It's often blessing after blessing after blessing to have my surgery. I feel so blessed to have my body fail, to have cancer. I feel so blessed to have these people in my life who want to hear my story, who I get to share my story because I get to share God with them. And I get to share Jesus with them. And I'm not real good at sharing that, but I'm good at talking about myself. And my surgery and my disabilities and my cancer have all led to great, great blessings. So to me, it changes the bad things. They're no longer bad. I love the fact that I am able to share with people. I love the fact that I have cancer because I get to share my story. I know that I'm gonna die. I'm probably gonna die pretty soon. Some days I feel like I'm gonna die in the next few days. Some days I'm like, I got this, months, years. But I, the reality is I'm not going to live forever. I'm, I'm, I may live for another three months. So I got to cram all the good stuff in. And to me, the good stuff is having relationships with people and sharing my love for them. I love people. I hope people know and I hope they will accept and I hope they will believe that God is taking care of them, that God has their back all the time, and that they are right where they need to be. And I hope the people who hear this will realize that their unique story with their failures and with their successes is perfect for them. And God made you to do your story. And he's got people out there 
who want to hear your story. Through my hardships and seeing the blessings that come afterwards and knowing that I'm right where God wants me to be and accepting that and trusting Him, trusting Him 100%, I'm free. I am free to love life. I am free to love every person as much as I can. I'm free to express myself and I have freedom in Christ that he's got it covered. He has me right where he wants me to fulfill his plan, to glorify his Father, to glorify God. I'm, I'm wherever he wants me to be. Sue's journey has changed me. And I hope that hearing just a little bit of her story has changed you too. Sue has made it her ministry to share heaven with everyone she comes in contact with. Old friends who reach out because they hear she's sick, former coworkers, friends, spouses of friends, the waitress that we get to eat with every Friday morning when we go to Mr. T's and Webster, that's our, in fact, she's invited all the people at Mr. T's to our memorial service and really hopes they'll come. Um, but that is Sue, and she, she's made it her mission to tell everybody she can about heaven. And if you've been to her house, you know there is a box with 50 of these, and it says free, please take one. She wants everyone she comes in contact with to know the things of heaven. I see someone who has spent her life pursuing Jesus, desiring to be more and more like him. And I believe when she meets Jesus, he's going to look at her and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I told you that Sue's journey has changed the way I see people. I feel the same sense of urgency that she does to let people know there is a God who created you. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who pursues you relentlessly. There's a God who wants to heal you and do life with you. Through her season of transition, I have learned a valuable lesson. Your suffering, my suffering, her suffering can be a blessing to others if you share it and if you allow God to use it. Listen to what Revelation twenty two seventeen says as we close this morning. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Sue is being called home and she's heard the father say, come. She hasn't fallen down in the corner to shy away from it but rather she's invited everyone she comes in contact with along on the journey. Come, come drink from the water of life. Come hear what God has for you. Come hear how much God loves you. Come hear how God can use you. Come hear about your blessings, the blessings you can find on the other side of your burdens. Come to Jesus, come. 
So today I invite you, in the midst of whatever suffering, whatever pain, whatever circumstance is in your life, to come to Jesus, the God who will provide all comfort, who will bring blessing in the midst of your burdens. He died so that you could have life, and not just any life, abundant life. The great news is that we are still alive. Today, we live, right? We live today, and it's not too late. Let us not waste another minute separated from God. We're going to close this morning praising God, not in sadness, but in joy. So listen to the words that we're about to sing as we close together this morning. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on that cross. Then he rose up from the grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. If you have yet to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why not now? Why not today? In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggling and your suffering, all you have to do is just hear him say, come. As we pray this morning in the quietness of your heart, all you have to do, there's no magic prayer, just invite him into your life and then tell somebody about it. So join me as we pray this morning. God, thank you. God, I thank you for Sue. I thank you for Sue and her story, her testimony, her suffering, the way it's changed me, and I hope many, many others. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to stand face to face with you in heaven, but I'm so excited. God, I pray that um, we would all remember in the midst of our suffering that you know suffering, that you hurt with us, that you grieve with us, that you're, you're there to comfort us. God, I pray that we would feel your presence in this moment, that we would not be sad, but that we would rejoice of the way that you love us. So God, as we praise you this morning, I thank you. I pray that our words, our song, our shouts of praise would glorify you. We love you so much. We lift this up to you in Jesus' name.